Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Our Show. Today, my special guest is Tonya Shimon. The most iconic movie poster in history, Gone with the Wind, was created by a man who was also equally one of a kind, whose life could rival the drama in that very story, and who stood for the less favored by an America of the mid-20th century, Poor Children, People of Color, and the Beaten, in his fine art. And now, a beautifully illustrated coffee table book, The Art of Sibion Shimon, returns this man's life to the forefront, as many of the issues that roiled his images are now still making headlines. Simeon was an influential figure in multiple spheres, and today may even be the best known, be, be best known as a children's book illustrator who teamed up with such figures as Isaac Brezhev, Brezhev and Brezhev Singer and Madeline DeAngle to tell timeless stories along with creating his own books for the young. But it is the acclaimed mural in the Department of Justice, which he labored for four years to create, commissioned as part of the Depression-era Public Works of Art Project, that is his most enduring legacy. Contemporary Justice and the Child is a bold statement that cries for justice for children exploited in factory labor and that depicts African Americans in educated roles. Simeon's works grew out of his own experience with oppression and poverty, escaping the violent Pogroms in Russia in 2012, Simeon arrived in New York as a 10-year-old with his family, but found a hard-scrabble life on the streets of Brooklyn, helping to support his family by delivering groceries 13 hours a day. With a passion for music, he sought to become a musician, only to be denied by his father. Instead, the youngster turned to drawing. He went on to become one of the highest-paid artists in the world of his time for his work in Hollywood. However, Simeon spoke his rage and demand for justice through his paintbrush. His DOJ mural is is the only one to depict African Americans in any of the PWAP murals within that building except for one as a servant. Simeon, excuse me, Simeon, despite shunning criticism, and created some of the fine art images of the area of black Americans. Another of his paintings, The Pack, arose from a brutal beating he took at the hands of a street gang, showing humans morphing into jackals and hyenas. But much of his work was a showcase embodying the beauty and humanity and to celebrate it. His works have been exhibited at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, the National Gallery in Washington, the Art Institute in Chicago, and the Whitney Museum of Art in New York City, and also the Chrysler Museum of Art. Today with us is Tonya Schumann, and she is Simeon's daughter, who curated and edited the award-winning book, The Art of Simeon, Simeon Schumann, 
to give us uh, some insight into her father and to reminisce about his this great artist. For more information, you can visit the website simeonshimon.com, and that's S-Y-M-E-O-N-S-H-I-M-I-N.com. Okay, with that, Tonya, thank you for joining me today. Hello. Thank you so very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm really anxious to talk about your father and your work also. Um, so let's, uh, I guess the first thing to start with, um, I have to say that uh, your father's artwork is just stunning. You know, and, and the um, social messages that he conveyed in them is just, um, it's so relevant, uh, you know, to, to today's world. And, I mean, it's... Um, kind of disheartening to feel that, you know, we haven't come very far from, from that. Um, My so sentiments exactly. It's, it's, it's quite, quite wild to realize that we still have not learned our lessons and we're still struggling to find them. Um, uh, it just, it really is wonderful and warming to my heart that this work seems to resonate today so much and have a power to touch people. And while we have a huge long distance to travel for equality, and all the things we're fighting for, um, the, the passage along the way is very important. And so I'm very grateful that this work um, can in some way touch upon that. And I think that was my father's purpose. He said he really cared deeply about the world. Um, in fact, I'd like to read one, one uh, paragraph that a beautiful uh, research assistant and art scholar wrote um, that sheds light on this also. Uh, Simeon Shimon was a vessel for the unheard voices of his time. Those who were shunned, he highlighted. Those who were unseen, he provided a stage. He saw the common man for what he was, beautiful, exceptional, and equal. Um, And he he wanted to to make a a statement. He wasn't a social worker, he said, so he painted and put put all of these uh, images into his work. Yeah, and and to think that um, it was a um, an alternative to music. I mean, there, he was guided to that. Exactly. Path. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what I find interesting is that within his paintings, I see and hear and feel structural um, elements of music and melody, oh. and I think he played music all the time when he worked. Um, it wow. was. It was by him his whole life. Uh, as a child, I would say louder, louder when I was falling asleep because <laughs> I wanted to hear it from a distance. And um, it was very much part of him to just be deeply involved with music. And I think the resonance of it, I think the shape of it, I think it all seeped into his painting in an interesting way, which I didn't realize until I started putting this book together and hearing more stories. Yeah, so what inspired you? To, I mean, obviously, this had to be a, table, a coffee table book. I mean, that's just just the nature of the subject. So, so what inspired you? How did the book come together? Well, it happened in some ways by chance, the idea for it anyway. After my father passed, I discovered a huge treasure trove of photographs of his fine art paintings where most of us didn't know where they were. I still only know where 17 of them are amongst my family and a few friends. Um, And I saw these pictures and I said to my sister, we have to do something with this. 
and um, I borrowed them and brought them home with me to California, and they sat there for many, many years. I was working full-time and couldn't do anything about it, and it took years and years. It was 30 years before the book was published from the day I got the idea to do it. Um, I was also told um, many times, oh, it's impossible, he's not well-known enough, um, no. there are all kinds of reasons why it was hard. Um, so I was up against a lot of brick walls, but I, I kept feeling it, this work had to be saved. It shouldn't be lost. It would disappear. Um, the, the mural is in Washington. There's one painting at the Chrysler Museum, and the others are spread out. So I kept trying to find the right people to help me. I finally did in Mercury Press, and thanks to them, we were able to put it together finally. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing when, you know, something is meant to be. It's, it's kind of like your obstacles show come up, you know, they, they kind of pop up. And mm-hmm. I often look at that as, as a um, as a way to determine our um, to set our determination. You know, is this something you really want? You know, if this is something you really want, then you'll kind of you <laughs> got know, tired of me saying one way. day I'm going to do this book. but it finally happened and it's here and i'm i'm thrilled to share it now it's just really special yeah yeah you know and one of the there's one picture of of you and your dad and it's just um you can just tell you adored each other (laughs) you know it was Mm -hmm. one of those i mean it just seemed adoration was a part of the picture Yeah, yeah. And the painting above it is a painting I own. It's one of my favorites. And I actually choreographed a dance uh, somewhat based on that painting, using that gesture. Yeah, wow. So, And and that dance is still being performed or or developed by different people here and there. So it's it's interesting. Uh, Yeah. The other other element that helped a great deal, my sister, Toby Shimon, is a very well-known and fantastic documentary film editor. And she had done an interview, series of interviews with my father when she was in college because she made a short film um, based on father and daughter. And so when I was really getting ready to do this and put it together, I asked her for the transcripts. And I kind of uh, edited, edited through them very carefully and gave the information to the two writers, um, Joseph uh, Woodard and... Um, Charles Donnellan, um, so that they could use those excerpts from his actual writing or, or speaking. Um, right. And they wove a lot of these into their writing in the book, which I think really makes it feel that you're hearing directly from the man. And it gives insight into uh, who he was as a man and a painter. And yeah. their writing in the book is one is on his life and one is on his art. There's also an autobiography in the book um, that my father did on his early years. And here I can read something from that, if you like. Sure, yeah, I would love to hear that. It's the story you told briefly about his uh, becoming a painter. Uh, And here it is, uh, directly from his words. I do not know by what mystery or alchemy I was transformed into becoming an artist, a painter. When up to the age of 11 years, I wanted above all else to be a musician. 
However, when I was told in no uncertain terms that I would not be allowed to be one, within a week I began to draw for the first time in my life. And to this day, I have never stopped drawing and painting. What makes this event even more strange is the fact that from the very beginning, I drew as an adult and not as a child. It was people that I wanted to paint, then and now. I was deeply affected not only by our own poverty, but by the teeming life around me as well. People's haunting faces and their dignity never left me. Wow. Um, And I should add that his uncle was a very discouraged musician in Russia, and their house had been filled with music and composer, and he didn't want another failure in the family. And so he influenced Uh my father's family to say no. Interesting. How interesting. But I love <laughs> and this he found choice of the word alchemy. Yeah, yeah. I, I love and that choice of word alchemy. It's, it, sounds, yeah, yeah. it adds that mystical aspect to it. Yes, yes. It was a mystery to him. All of a sudden, there he was drawing. He was using paper bags and the delicatessen their family had in wow. Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> speaking of that, so he... he came to, the, to America in, in uh, 1912 um, as an immigrant Jew from, from Russia. So tell us a little bit about um, his perspective of, of that culture <laughs> shift uh, for him at the time. Right. And what's very lovely is I found out a lot about it in reading this autobiography, which, was, which is in the book. Uh, so when he was a child, he was very mischievous. He had a very stern grandmother who took him to task, and um, he would give things away. And he was very touched, as he writes here, about the people around him. He also saw uh, prisoners being taken to Siberia with chains around them. I don't know whether they were passing in buses or trucks or whatever, but he saw these things, and it affected him greatly. And when they got to America, um, his father was devastated. He was really in shock and very frightened. And my father uh, had to kind of or took on the, the role of being the father of the household at age 10 and helping his mother and his brothers. And um, so his childhood was kind of cut off. And uh, later in life, he became a children's book illustrator, and he did 57 books, um, two that he also authored. And in them, he was able to express a lot of his feelings about and love of childhood and the mystery of it, the magic of it. And I think it was a great venue for him to kind of um, regroup. Um, But in any case, we'll go back to when he was starting to draw and uh, in America, he was not told that there were or shown that there were places where you could go for free lessons for music or art. Mm -hmm. Somehow he found his way. And at 15, apprenticed himself to a commercial artist and became a commercial artist. He did a poster for Vanity Fair magazine at age 27. Cover. By the way, that, by the way, that was one of my one. favorite. That was one <laughs> of my favorite <laughs> pictures in the book. So. The interesting thing about it is, uh, it looks a little bit like my mother, who was a dancer at one point. My oh. mother was an artist. She danced for a couple of years, and the style of the painting is exactly the movement that she was doing. But this was way before they met. 10 years before, (laughs) but he did discover dance, art, music on his own. He saw the great artists of the world who came through New York. He traveled to, um, 
to France and Spain uh, as a young man in his 20s and studied the works of the masters. And while he went to Cooper Union briefly, he felt he was mostly self-taught. And then he went to Mexico subsequently and, and, of course, studied the great Mexican muralists. So his influences come from all of those things. Um, I think his background, of course, is in there, but also what we've spoken about in terms of the kind of person he was. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I, I also learned uh, from preparing for, for today's interview um in the introduction, I mentioned that um, his family had fled Russia, um, fled the um, pogroms and anti-Semitism. And that when I first right. read that, I thought, I thought and I, I saw that, and I thought, okay, I can just went over that. And then but my mind saw programs instead of programs, um, pogroms. Okay, um, great. Anyway, so, and I saw it twice, and I thought, now, wait a minute. Tonya couldn't have made a mistake twice. What is this? <laughs> so, so, I, so I looked it up. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, because, you know, we've seen a recent rise in anti-Semitism. I mean, so can you tell us ab- oh, it's about that? Yeah, it's terrifying mm-hmm. right now. Um, it was present very strongly. Um, and um, that reason, the, the programs were, were basically, from, what, from my understanding, was, were acts of anti-Semitism. That were that were very strong. I have not heard any stories directly from my father um, that he experienced any of these episodes, but they were mm-hmm. going on around them. And yeah. the other part of it was that the family had three three boys, and they didn't want them conscripted into the Tsar's army. Uh, uh, okay. And my grandfather mm-hmm. evidently had an antique shop and would give things away to people who needed money or, or objects for possible bribes, I believe, to prevent their children from being conscripted. And this was all a big secret. Wow. So <laughs> all kinds of things were going on. My father was growing up um, in this rather large household. And uh, it, it's, it's horrifying what happened. And uh, the story yeah. has not ended, unfortunately. But yes, they mm-hmm. left the country a good deal because of that. My goodness. Now, he had a an Ellis Island experience with Maine, which happened to my grandfather when he um, uh, immigrated oh, from Oh, what was your grandfather's Italy. name? Well, the, the, the new name, and he didn't reclaim. The new name was Tarsia, T-A-R-S-I-A. But okay. um, I, I'd have to go back and look. I can't remember what it was when, right, he, yeah. when he left Italy. But 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 your father had one of those name changes, but he reclaimed it. So tell tell us about that because it sounds yes. like a, an identity well, thing. His name was Simeon Shimon, and they gave him Samuel Simpkins. And at 21, he decided he wanted to really be who he really was, Simeon Shimon. Thank you very much, and he went and claimed his name back. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> I, I, no, I think that I think that's good. And Simeon Shimon is. So much better than the other. <laughs> so, I think so too. Um, yes, I'm very glad. Yeah. I'm, my my all my relatives are Simpkins. <laughs> good, good. So Which now, is fine, you know. Um, but uh, he's yeah, the only person okay. in the family. This was not a family that pursued art. He's the only one who became an artist. Mm. Um, his uncle at one point, uh, my uncle, sorry, uh, at one point imported uh, Italian. Uh, decorative objects. Uh, that's as close as he came. And my grandfather, my father's father, 
at, as an older man, made some papier-mâché relief uh, pictures of some kind. Uh, but my father discovered this on his own, and his brothers were not at all of the same ilk. Wow, my, my goodness. But, you know, so, he, was, he was very individualist. Yeah, it sounds like it, you know, but but he, in mean, this he work, marched and, to his, the beat of his own drum, you know. And, exactly, and, and that and, shows true as well mm-hmm. in that um, the artists of his time were becoming uh, the abstract famous painters that we know of. And my father mm-hmm. stayed to figurative work and um, kept going on that vein because that's who he was and that's what he believed he needed to do. And he had yeah, to find yeah. who he was, not try to be someone else. It's yeah, interesting. Exactly. Uh, the work that's in the Chrysler Museum won a prize at the Provincetown Art Festival. And he got second prize, and he was told later, uh, probably uh, in some secret, that they had debated for a day or more whether to give him first prize, but they ended up giving it to the um, abstract painter. Uh, they felt that his work was, was the work popular. of a master. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he was finding well, that his whole, his whole life when yeah. he did his fine art. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And the, the social consciousness with which he did it, too, I'm sure – you know, riled a few feathers, you know, in, in its time. Um, well, the only but, part of that that I know of is, was at the Department of Justice project, the mm-hmm. um, yeah. the mural, uh, where he was requested to not put them in, but seemingly uh, they managed to be quieted down, and he did it. So oh. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, think he got yeah. flack. I don't think he got flack for any of the other work. I think he got well, appreciation but, by the people who really understood good. it. Good, that, that's good. So now let's let's talk about his that Hollywood connection. So tell tell us a little bit about you know how how it came about, how it um, either influenced his work or, or you know, about that particular period of time. How did how did Hollywood impact him and his work? Sure, sure. I mean, this is rather fascinating. Um, I don't know how he got involved in it, except it might have been through this commercial artist that he worked for and apprenticed to. And he probably showed great talent, and somehow or other the Hollywood connection was made. I don't know how the first connection was made. Uh, but he certainly did a huge number of enormous posters for them. As I was growing up, I saw him making these posters. He did Covatis, and he did this 40-foot work uh, canvas for Solomon and Sheba, which was exhibited in railway stations and traveled around the country and was rolled up in a huge crate uh, to advertise the the movie. And lo and behold, about three years ago or two years ago, uh, my son discovered on Google um, that there was a gallery with my father's name. And mm. I'd never seen this when I Googled it before, but sure enough, there it was. I contacted the gallery, and they were showing this 40-foot mural that the owner had purchased many, many years before. So it was available to the public a few years ago, and now it's rolled up again. Uh, But by by great luck, I was able to get the picture of it to put in the book. And uh, the other Hollywood connection, uh, among many, he he was greatly appreciated by the directors of these uh, 
huge corporations, um, was Howard Hughes had has had asked him to be um, his personal artist for a period of time, which he did do, but he left uh, after it seemed to be a very compromising situation where he didn't have enough freedom. And uh, I was mm. already born quite young. My my mother and I were in New York, and he really needed to be home. Yeah. Uh, now, so that was a brief it, it period that he did work for Howard, Howard Hughes. Mm-hmm. It takes some strength to walk away from and recognizing, you know, <laughs> the values that are important. Hmm? Yeah, well... That's what happened from the story that I heard, um, and he was glad to have gotten back home. And uh, at a certain, the other point that's interesting, I feel, is that he was determined to do the best work he could do, whatever it was. He really hated doing the posters for Hollywood. He did not like the work, but he respected it at the same time and did it as well as he could. Um, mm-hmm. But he was doing the Gone with the Wind poster during the same period that he was doing the mural mural, sorry, in uh, Washington. And the Washington story goes like this. Um, the painting was supposed to be finished in two years, and it was not. They glued it to the wall, and he painted on the wall for two more years. He would paint at night and slept during the day in the DOJ and travel back and forth from New York to Washington. And then I see the dates and I go, wait a minute, Gone with the Wind was done the next to the last year that the mural was still being worked on. So in a way, doing the work he hated pushed him to do the work he loved and uh, gave him the money to do it. (laughs) Well, that's freedom (laughs) to be able to do that. This this kind of uh, uncanny Mm -hmm. contrast going on. Uh, But I think that the ability to do really beautiful murals went right into the movie posters and the yeah. design and the now, feeling and the sweep. And here we go back to music again, the sweep yeah. of the design. Now, didn't, um, he, didn't he have, a, um, wasn't, weren't his murals um, influenced by trip to Mexico, trips to Mexico? Yeah, I, we all think so. He didn't speak okay. of it personally directly okay but mm-hmm. I, we all know that he did those trips and he did have a great influence from them did mm-hmm. did receive a great influence from them wow. and the wow. same from his studies oh. of the fine art in europe of the great masters he yeah. he spent a year and a half had, had, probably all day long he, in museums day after day after yeah. day studying yeah. he has a very distinctive it. style he has a very mm-hmm. distinctive mm-hmm. style so, yeah, he well, adored El Greco. Uh, he loved uh, Zerberan, Tintoretto, yeah. and um, he he got a great deal from that period. I know. Yeah, and well, he, he was friends with the muralists in Mexico. He knew all these people. Yeah, so it must that's, have been a very special time for him. It, it, it sounds like, and you know, and um, basically, you know, I'm sure his work is just. Um, an outward expression of his life experiences, you know, uh, yeah, some of them. Yes, so, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, Tonya, we're going to take a quick break. We're about halfway through the show, so I want to take a quick break. And, and then when we come back, um, I want to talk a little bit more about the children's books, the 57 children's books, and sure. find out more about them, okay? Okay. Sure. So everyone, stay, stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, 
This is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Tonya Shimon, and we are talking about her newest book, um, tribute to her father, Simeon Shimon, and it's called The Art of Simeon Shimon. Um, for more information, you can visit the website, which is www.simeonshimon.com, and that's S-Y-M-E-O-N-S-H-I-M-I-N.com. Okay, with that, we're back. Tonya? Hello, yes. Oh, great. So I want to find out more about the children's book. I have some of my programming I call a children's corner because I just love talking to uh, children's book writers and illustrators and just finding out what kind of, you know, what drives them. So tell us a little bit That's about That's wonderful. Yes, you know, I noticed that, that when I read about you. That's great. You know, yeah. Uh, oh, great good. connection. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, yes. Thank you. So tell, tell, tell us a little bit about his, you know, his view of them and, and just some of the highlights sure. of, of that work. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how it started. Hollywood was was closing down a lot because television was getting big and he had no work. He was literally walking the streets without work for quite a while. And friends, uh, authors of children's literature, asked him if he would um, do the, the illustrations for How Big is Big. And he said, well, you know, I'm a serious artist. Children's books are so light. And they said, but what you have is exactly what we want, more feeling in the in the pictures. Uh, so he began to do books, and it, it kept continuing. They kept coming. People liked his work, <laughs> and he kept getting um, offers to do many. And um, publishers would send him scripts, and he would always choose the one where he felt he could really connect with the children. He wanted very much to reach the feelings that the child needed to express and be free to um, grow from. And as I mentioned before, his childhood was rather cut off. And I think it gave him this huge release and place to go into joy and a special relationship that he didn't have. Um, He was a wonderful father also in that sense. Um, So he chose books where he felt he could be expressive in in his way as well as giving something to the work, I believe. And uh, the one you mentioned with um, Isaac Basavich Singer – 
It's called Joseph and Cozen. It's a very striking book um, in terms of art and story, very strong and powerful. So it's almost like a really fine art drawing that you'd see in a museum when you open the book. It's, it's special. I just reread it recently. Um, and then others are very tender. He authored uh, two books, one called I Wish There Were Two of Me, which came upon um, – which came into being when my sister said that to him. I wish there were two of me. And so he decided that was a great idea, and he did a book without words. Um, no, I think that one might have words, but there's another one without words, um, which is called A Special Birthday. Mm. And this one is without words, but it, it depicts what he used to do for me on my birthday, which was tie a ribbon to the bed, and the ribbon would be strung all throughout the house, up and down, around, knocks all kinds of odd places. I'd have to follow the ribbon to get presents, and occasionally there'd be a little one that would bobble out along the way to cheer me on. And at the end, I'd come upon a bunch of presents. So this is that little book, and uh, it's very much enjoyed by children, I know, because I've heard about it. And children would write him letters and uh, tell them how much the books meant to him, to them. I'm sure. I'm sure that reinforced his uh, his desire, his, his recognition of the importance of that. In, in yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. reaching a child and meeting a child as as to exactly where they were in their development at that mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the, the that, pictures that, are all that, very that, tender. The animals, the people, they're they're very tender and beautiful. Rather yeah. gentle. Well, now, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's um, it's wonderful um, that he was, op- even though he may have been kind of directed to doing that, but it was wonderful that he was open enough to even be able to, you know, to continue to do it. I mean, 57, you you know, you have to It became his livelihood the rest it. of his life, yeah. Yeah. That's what supported yeah. him the rest of his life, basically. Wow. So now... Um, a lot of his work de- um, depicted Jewish themes. So can you talk to us about, um, you know, how how he felt about, you know, m- you know inserting, I won't say inserting, but, but including Jewish themes in some of his work. So can you tell us how that, yeah, what was his idea about doing that? Well, I feel while his family and he were not religious, he he very mm-hmm. definitely felt spirit of Jewishness in him. And so he connected. He connected with all kinds of other people as well. So I, I like to feel that he, he wasn't saying, I'm this and not that, but he certainly could connect in spirit and energy. Um, and it felt close to him because he certainly experienced mm-hmm. a lot of it, especially in Russia and probably in Brooklyn as he was growing up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was well, at a Jewish know, uh, school in Russia, uh, which was very difficult, evidently, and um, showed a hard part of it that he didn't like. Um, well, but he definitely related very closely. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's again, I think, you know, it seems that his work – was was like um, a window into him, you know, who he, all the different facets, you know, that made Simeon mm-hmm. Simeon, you know. That, Interesting, uh, yes. So, yeah. Right, right. Wow. Definitely. 
And he was, ex- yeah, he was so- able to express the things that mattered to him uh, that he felt yeah. were worth sharing and depicting. Yeah. The tenderness of yeah. childhood. Um, by the yeah. way, there's a list in the book of all the books uh, that he illustrated, a complete uh, list of everything. And some of Great. the books can still be found on Amazon. If you just go to his name, um, there are books, children's books still available. Well, that's that's great. That's great. And you also yeah. have a nice for anyone who has kids out there. Book. Lovely, lovely <laughs> present. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love that that ribbon story. I mean, you know, story because that's. I mean, every parent could just uh, institute that. I mean, implement that. That would well, be a, a lot wonderful of parents thing. might be ready to kill us because they don't want to have to go through all that trouble. <laughs> And the kids don't don't feel good unless they get all that. I must say, a birthday has never felt as special as it did when I was a child. (laughs) Yeah, you know, because, see, I mean, kids know. Kids know if you're going to put effort into something. Yeah. It's like, oh, they went down to, you know, they ordered this. Yeah, I used to do it for my son for a while. Yeah. Yeah, for a while. Well, that's good. Um, So now, yeah, you and you were talking about social the social aspect of his work. I um, had noted that uh, Time Magazine referred to his art um, as that of a social realist. So yes. can you, can you talk and that a came about, about particularly yeah. at the time when he did this painting, The Pack, which grew out of the experience of being beaten up by a crowd. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty okay. traumatic for him. Um, it, it's a painting that's very different from all his others. It's very dramatic. And it's uh, um, it's not quite surreal, but it's definitely um, very expressionistic. And uh, he was uh, with a group of friends after a, a New Year's Eve party on Lower Manhattan, and they they found themselves going in to help someone who was be, being beaten up, and they in turn got beaten up. Uh, and it was hmm. horrible. He was kicked in the pants and said, "Oh, you dirty Puerto Rican!" And. Uh, <sighs> Wow. So it, it was uh, quite a traumatic experience, and he, he, you know, thought about it a great deal before putting it into a painting. He knew he had to do something about it. And when he finally yeah. decided to get started, evidently the painting just came to him. No pre-drawings, nothing. He just did it. And wow. um, this is the painting that was at the Whitney Museum. And it speaks to exactly what's happening today, which is very sad. I happen to own it, and it's in the living room. And I didn't know whether I could live with it, but it's high up, and it's quite amazing to have it there. Yeah, I would think it would have a a dynamic energy about it, you know, know, because of of what he put into it. um, I would think it would have to carry that kind of... Anyway, I just, you know, I just love the way the, the way artists imbibe themselves into their art. Like he was a dancer, you know, and you know, and, and he is an artist. So I mean, it's one of those things where um, you just um, it becomes a, a, your, I guess, your total expression. I mean, it's just like this is who I am. Yes, exactly. And there's there's no way to, um, if one is, is honest, there's no way not to do that. <laughs> it has to come out. Yeah, um, true. Uh, and, of course, his integrity was pretty high, and uh, it definitely did that. I'm glad you're receiving that from it. 
Yeah, very much. So now um, we, we talked about how he was deterred away from music. Um, did the music, did he ever go back to, to the music or, or, you know, was it just that maybe he um, included music into his artwork, like you mentioned, maybe? Good point. Yes. And the cover picture has this um, cellist in there. Uh, and I, I love that painting, partly because it does include his love of music. Um, as a child, he made an instrument or two, and he was playing on it, kind of semi-violin type instrument. Um, but he never played an instrument after being told no. He just incorporated music into his life constantly. And um, he... he has these series of paintings, one of, a, one of a bassist and this one on the cover of the book of a crowd around a musician. And I love the magic of it because it, it evokes his, his definite feeling of, I would say, alchemy as well, that the music just transcends something. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful photo for a cover. Um, you, um, it's just... I don't know. There's, there's something about it. I like hope it would bring is... people right in to a certain element of who yeah. he was. Yeah. Yes, and, it does. Uh, that yes, that does. painting yeah. was done. There was a period of 15 years where he didn't paint after starting mm. children's books. Or No, it was five years after that. But between the movie posters and the books, there was a period of 15 years where he didn't paint at all. And oh. he went to Italy and started painting again. And this painting comes from that period where he was really... Uh-huh out into the crowds of people, and he did uh, some wonderful, wonderful paintings based on, on the people he saw there. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, On the cover, there's one, one person with their, their hand to their mouth, and it's kind of like you don't know if they're in awe or like ready to throw a kiss. <laughs> you, know, you just don't know what it is, but you know. But it, yeah, for it, me, it's it, the in awe interpretation. <laughs> the in awe, okay. That it could have <laughs> yeah, many. It, 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 yeah, very much so. So now, um, let's see here. He, his travels in, in Italy, that, that kind of reignited his um, his uh, passion in painting. So did, Yeah, he, he, did, he had a very did, strong period of painting right after that. He had to go back to books to earn money. And then subsequently, uh, at a very difficult point in his life in 1956, he went to uh, Paris again to try to start painting. It was always, I've got to get back to my painting, he would tell me. I've got to get back to my painting. And um, I think that's another reason why I thought this tribute was so important, to to create this body of work that could be seen by others. Um, And he painted uh, some rather stern self-portraits at that time. And uh, Hmm. at the end of his life, he wanted to do a huge project on liberation, which would have been perfect for today. Uh, he only oh, yeah. got through doing the studies of hands, which were a preliminary element of what would have been part of that painting. Uh, and it wow. was very sad wow. to him. He he knew he was not going to be able to fulfill it. Yeah, my goodness. Um, now, in the book, there are a lot of, in addition to paintings, there are a lot of illustrations. So can you talk about, I mean, about the, you know, I mean, because that's like um, a different, um, a different, uh, I don't know, um, view, a view, you know, element yeah. Yeah, um, to, to his work. So can you tell us a little bit about the illustrations and were you ever 
an object of his illustrations or, or an even your family? Well, in, in a subtle way, I'm part of the cover of the book because the figure of the woman turning her head in the front uh-huh. uh, was uh-huh. taken from a photograph of me when I was 18, and it's really my back. Uh-huh. The face is a little bit like me, but not quite. So I'm yep. part of that painting. Um, I posed for children's books, and so did my sister and my friends. Um, and uh, there are a couple of portraits in there of me and my sister. They're called Drawings on Canvas. And one of the, what you might be calling illustrations, I think, is a drawing of my sister. Um, okay. There are various uh, illustrations in the book. The earlier ones are uh, drawings that had to do for preparation for the mural in Washington. And then the later ones are uh, simply drawings that he made, um, and, or, or, or as he called them, drawings on canvas, which were very simple paintings. But they yeah. looked more like a drawing. They were not filled in with a lot of color. Uh, so yeah, I, had a, yeah, I think I had that's a, what you're referring uh, to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I had a fine artist. And some of those are, fine... are complete statements, and some of them are studies for the, the murals are studies for the development of the mural. Yeah. Yeah, I had a friend who was a fine artist, and he would, many of his works um, were, uh, I mean, he did like uh, women in the 1850s. He did very bright um, photos like floral and and you know period pieces, but but one of the things I sure. noticed is that many many times he would if there was an integral character for and like for example your your father's DOJ mural if there was a one person in particular that he wanted to make sure he got right my friend would do a separate painting for that person just to I think maybe get a sense of the person before he even put it into the the final work. Mm-hmm. Sure. So exactly. It like maybe the illustrations were thousands very of much Picasso different. illustrations and drawings. Thousands, I'm sure. <laughs> Incredible ones. <laughs> um, I've seen some yeah. of them with his, at his young age as well. Just awesome, you know. Um, and I think I just saw a Cezanne drawing, a very watercolor that was just exquisite, but at very few lines to convey something, you know, of the landscape and the people. But it was all there. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's part of the work to be able to to do that when you want to or in preparation. Yeah, yeah, very much. So what would you want people to know most about your father? I think that his work expresses compassion for people of all kinds and the desire for for liberty for everyone and the freedom of the soul and the freedom of all peoples everywhere. And I think it you get that from the mural, you get that from the feeling in the paintings of the African-American, you get that from the children's books in terms of spirit. But I think there's a very powerful spirit that um, that seems to resonate today and it has this power to touch people. And so I hope that that's what they will receive and um, many people have said they are getting that from it, which is great. Um, so I hope that I, I also hope that, of course, people will get the book so they can actually hold it and see the right. scope of the work. Because a few pictures online doesn't do at all the same thing no. as actually seeing. If you can't see the live painting, at least 
Um, of course, I'd adore it if there was any way to ever pull an exhibition off with the paintings so that we know where they are, but that's a huge wish. Um, I also hope that well, students hey, of art go. will get to there do this work because they, they, yeah. they, unless they happen to come upon him in some more obscure research, they are not going to know his name and know his work. So I'm hoping that these books will go into libraries and that um, future artists will know know of this work as part of 20th century art and what it stands yeah. for. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, um, you know, and I think a, a, an exhibition is, you know, definitely something to envision, you know, to, to hold um, a vision of because, you know, it, it's when you can get, you know, the co a collection together that you really truly mm -hmm. get to see the scope of, of someone's work. Mm -hmm. and, and um and he he has beautiful work i mean it's, it's you know and and a well, you get a full story, resonance so. of the energy of the work and and it's all there and again it comes yeah. back to musicality i think inside it <laughs> interestingly enough yeah yeah <laughs> like an armature there should be a movie my personal feeling there should be a movie <laughs> yeah, that would be very you know. interesting uh, i don't know if we know enough detail about things for a movie oh. but i certainly think an exhibition would be oh. great you know, quite a time, quite, quite mean, a story. Movies fill in. Yeah, they they fill in they fill in the you know the the spots. This that is true. But I mean, but I mean, it truly is you know one of um, it's a story of hope and inspiration and achievement and overcoming struggle. I mean, it's it's got all of the elements. I mean, you got you got the Moscow. I mean, you got the Russia, the Brooklyn, Italy. I mean, yeah, it could be it could be one quite. Um, beautiful, you know, in addition yeah. to the art um, piece of work. So anyway, I was just kind of throwing it out there. Well, that's that, a wonderful um, idea. You know, Let's put it out there to the world. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. that's it. Just planting the seed there. So, so let's continue. But anyway, well, well, yeah. Tonya, I, I really wanted to thank you for your time today. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, now we're connected. Thank you. So have I. So it's really you. great to be with you. Thank you, and, and for listeners out there that if you want to join uh, Tony and myself, you know, join us on Facebook. Um, and I look forward to following your journey. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And be well you're, you're and continue your great work. Thank you. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been uh, Tonya Shimon, and we have been talking about um, her new beautifully illustrated coffee table book, The Art of Simeon Shimon. Um, and you can find out more by visiting the website, which is simeonshimon.com, and that's S-Y-M-E-O-N-S-H-I-M-I-N.com. And everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at ByteRadio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.